Welcome back to Preps Today with John Millay. We were off last week. We have a big, juicy show for you this week. John, of course, the Preps Sports and Activities Guru Writer at MSHSL.org. You can find his written work there. I highly recommend it. He gets all over the state telling you the best stories in prep sports and activities all across Minnesota. Uh, spends a lot of hours on the road. Of course, you get to hear his spoken word artistry here. Uh, we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We want to thank longtime sponsor Pizza Barn in Princeton uh, and want to let you know the best way to listen to this show or any show you like at talknorth.com, and we have a lot of good shows there, uh, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. So, John, we didn't talk last week. You have a lot of good stuff to get to. I guess let's yep. start with the Alexandria legend. Yeah, we'll start this week's uh, spoken word artistry, which, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, that's that, that tickles me. I don't know <laughs> exactly why. But yeah, uh, I had... I had the absolute joy of writing about Wendy Kohler. She's the girls basketball coach in Alexandria. I really didn't know her well until this season. I had seen her team play a couple of games earlier in the, in the Metro here. Always fun chatting with her. And then I went up there on Saturday for a really special occasion. Uh, Alexandria hosted Fargo Davies Saturday night. And this was Wendy's 1,000th career game as a head coach, all at Alexandria. This is her 39th season. She's she's amazing. She's incredible. Uh, I talked with her after the game, and then we had a long phone conversation the next day. And if you go to mshsl.org, scroll down to John's journal, you can find the story about her. I think people will enjoy it. The feedback's been pretty remarkable. Uh, Wendy's just, she's just an inspirational figure. You know, she's devoted her life to teaching and coaching and knowing what's important with when working with kids. And, you know, she's one of these kids. I asked her, when did you know you wanted to teach and coach? And she told me she still has a paper from seventh grade. It was like, you know, what's your life going to be like? And, and she said she wanted to be a, a physical education and health teacher and a coach. Because she, because I love, love, love sports, and she has really, really put together something special here. Um, you know, and she, she kind of came up on the heels of Title IX. That was the 1972 law that leveled the playing field for female athletes. So she graduated from high school at Bertha Hewitt in 1979, and she told me how how lucky she felt as as a younger kid. To just to be part of a team and have a uniform because this was fairly new and and she tries to talk to today's athletes about what that was like and and thank goodness female athletes today don't understand what that was like and because mm-hmm. uh, they have all these great opportunities and they did a, a great job up in Alex on on Saturday before the game they had a, a brief kind of touching ceremony to honor Wendy the team had a big banner you know to congratulate her for a thousand games. Uh, she ranks, uh, well, she, first thing she's coached and she's won more games than any female girl, female basketball coach in Minnesota. She ranks third overall in career wins. The leader is Mike Dreyer at New London Spicer, who's still going as of the weekend. He was at 1,057 wins, followed by the late Myron Glass of Rochester Lords, who won 719 games. And uh, Saturday's game, uh, when that gave Wendy 694 wins. And I know how lucky I am, Jim. I, I know Mike Dreyer at New London. I've written about Mike. Um, when Myron Glass was coaching at 
at Rochester Lord. I got to know Myron, wrote about him, and now I've I've been able to kind of do a biography of Wendy and, and just a great honor to know people who do so many great things. And as with Mike and, and Myron, for Wendy, it's not about how many games have you won. It's really not about how many games you've coached. It's about how many lives you've impacted. And she's just, uh, she just is, has done a tremendous job and she's going to keep coaching. She has no plans to retire. So uh, she's fantastic. I urge people to go to John's journal and, and read about Wendy Kohler. Uh, let's hope she keeps coaching for many, many years. Great stuff. I remember a, a famous high school coach once told me, I got to win enough that I can keep the job so I can keep doing the important stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's very true. It's that important stuff that really matters. And, and if you don't win, you, you know, no matter what where you're at, at any level, that's going to be a problem. But, yeah, her teams win. She's got one state championship in 97. I think she's taken 12 teams to state. They got a really nice team this year. They uh, could very well be back at the state tournament. And uh, really, really nice people in Alexandria. I, I lost track of how many people just came up to me to say hi. A couple of them I knew. I sat in the stands with some people. I was, they, it was all day basketball. It was a breakdown event. There were six or seven games. And uh, kind of cool just to see old friends and make new friends. People talk to me about John's journal. They mentioned the podcast. Really, uh, really a fun day up there for me. Excellent stuff. Alexandria, home of Tom Lehman and Jim Lehman. A great there pro golfer and a great amateur golfer, by the way. There you go. Yep. Uh, let's yep. go to remembering Carl Pearson. Yeah, Carl Pearson, he, he, he passed away recently. Uh, he was the... Former girls basketball coach at Waconia. Prior to that, he coached at Red Wing and Champlain Park, and and his uh, funeral was Monday this week. We're talking here on Wednesday afternoon. I was able to get out to Waconia to the funeral. It was really something special. Um, uh, the, uh, it was beyond overflowing. You know, at a one o'clock on a Monday afternoon. That doesn't seem like prime time for people to leave their jobs and leave school. And But I'll tell you what, and they came from all over. Carl grew up in Mitchell, South Dakota. Uh, everybody was there uh, to pay honor to, to Carl. Um, he was on our podcast twice. He authored yeah. two books about coaching and basketball, just a, a great sense of humor. Um, I was looking back through photos I have of Carl. He was known to ride the referees, and I, I found this photo from years ago of you know, he shaved his head. He was, he lost his hair. So he shaved his head. Uh, and he was, he, you knew when the suit jacket came off, Carl was getting hot. And so in this picture, he's basically got both arms outstretched. He's, he's looking at an official and, uh, and one of the speakers at the funeral was one of his former players who joked about that, just how his, how hot he would get. And, and, uh, it was, it was, he was quite a guy, you know, and at 47 years old, uh, this was kind of the theme of the funeral, how much Carl squeezed into 47 years. Mm. Uh, the, the other speaker was a boyhood friend from South Dakota. And, and uh, it was really something I'm, I'm glad I went. I, I you know, I, I uh, just thought the world of Carl and, and he had a really good caring bridge site that you kind of could follow his path. He was diagnosed with esophageal cancer roughly two years ago. And I think, he was told you've got about a year and he, he put in two more years. He was a great government teacher, uh, very, very impactful as a teacher and a coach. Um, it was just 
to see the impact, to see all these lives. And, uh, and boy, he's like I said, he sure squeezed a lot into 27 into 47 years. So we send our love to his wife, Jean, and his sons, Boston and Colton, everyone who knew Carl. Uh, I just feel fortunate to have known him a little bit. And uh, just you know, people like that don't come along that often. So uh, rest in peace, Carl Pearson. Sad news, but I, I really appreciate you bringing yeah. him to life for us, bringing you know his achievements to life and, yeah. and telling us about him. Uh, I do remember talking with him, and yeah, such a sad day. Here, here's something that one of the one of his former players who spoke said: the, the, Carl's last season coaching at Waconia, they came within one point of winning the section championship, and they had almost everybody back the next year. And the thinking was, boy, a year from now we're going to get to state. And they did, but Carl had stepped down before that season, knowing what kind of talent the team was going to have, that the chances of getting to state were probably pretty good. He stepped out because he felt like he was missing out on his uh, children's lives. How about how many coaches would do that? You know, just, I'm going to walk away now. The program's in great hands. I'm going to be a fan, but I've missed too much of my of my family time already. And that says a lot to me about, about Carl Pearson, that he could have been the coach that took the team to state for the first time in school history, but he stepped aside to spend more time with his family. That's, uh, that's, uh, it shouldn't be remarkable, but I think it is. Oh, it is no doubt about yeah. it. Because, because, yeah. Listen, to be a good coach, you have to have that competitive gene and it's hard to give up on winning it. You know, we all oh, know, yeah. I mean, we, we all know that winning can be, you know, it can be oversold, it can be overdone, but everybody does want to win, and it's yeah. hard to give up on a team that can win big. Absolutely. It's so much fun to win. I mean, yeah. you know, great coaches make the experience great no matter what happens on the scoreboard. But, boys, we all know how much fun it is to win. No doubt about it. All <laughs> right, let's get to big changes. Yeah, the high school league board of directors had a, one of their bi-monthly meetings last week, and, and this was pretty – Pretty big. I mean, there were some some big changes. Things are changing on the high school world here. And in tennis, this is big in tennis. Uh, girls will add a third class because there are enough girls teams to meet this threshold. That won't be in. It'll take effect in a couple years. Boys tennis doesn't have enough teams to play three classes. So, and starting in the 2025-26 school year, we're going to have two classes of boys tennis and three classes of girls' tennis. And the tennis coaches did a great job of bringing this before the board in recent meetings, getting it on the radar. And uh, the, there was no reason not to do it. They have enough teams for three classes. It means more work for the high school. you got to have a third site for state tournaments. Uh, you know, sections are not going to hold three tournaments instead of two, but that can be managed. This may be the biggest change, Jim, that, that I saw out of this meeting Beginning this fall at the state volleyball tournament, teams will be seeded one through eight. And that's a change. The current system in just about every state tournament, you know, coaches get online, they do electronic seeding, the top five seeds are named, and then uh, the six, seven, eight seeds, they're kind of drawn out of a hat for the the matchups in the state quarterfinals. And so volleyball is the first one to, to come down the chute requesting this. It's been talked about for decades. And I think the other sports are just going to get in line. And within not too much time, every state tournament is going to be seeded one through eight. And for years, an argument I heard, why can't we seed one through eight 
the argument I kept hearing was, well, because we don't want to identify the eighth seed and have it be known they're the worst team in the state tournament, according to the head coaches of the eight teams who get the seeding. You know what? Any any eight seed is going to be fine with being the eighth seed because, you know, would you rather not be at the state tournament? Of course not. So this one makes a lot of sense to me. I think this is going to be pretty standard before too long, and I, I think it should be. Uh, for state football playoffs, uh, a new system is, has been approved for nine-man through 5A. 6A football, the giant schools, they already have their own kind of hybrid hybrid system of playoffs. But in 9A through 5A, or nine-man through 5A, for a long time, it's just been a rotating system of section versus section for state quarterfinals. That's how the brackets are put together. Uh, starting now, this, this next year, it's going to be uh, the eight state tournament teams. Once they're identified in each class, they're going to be broken down. Four of them will be designated as Northern teams. Four will be designated as Southern teams. And they're kind of be a crossover in the state quarterfinals. You know, the North number one seed will play the South number four seed. And that's how it'll go. Uh, and there's no perfect way to do things like this, but I, I like that system a lot. Travel may be something people don't like. If you're way up north and you got to go way down south, that's 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 going to happen. But that happens now. So, uh, so yeah, the, the the board did a good job. I think all these votes were unanimous. A lot of discussion, and I think I think good changes for high school activities. Good stuff ahead. Jackson County Central, Heart of the Arts, budget cuts, and most valuable teammates. So still a lot to, lot to get to in this show. Uh, we want to let you know we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services. We want to recommend some other shows at TalkNorth.com. We've started a new Dawn of Sports uh, podcast with Don Mitchell from Fox 9. This week's guest was my old friend LaTroy Hawkins. She's had a great uh, gr- great guest list, and we really do emphasize women in sports. Uh, this is the best place to do that on this network. We have John Krasinski show. We had Chris Finch come out uh, to Headflyer Brewing for a special interview. Uh, we have Jeff Diamond breaking down exactly what's going to happen in the Vikings offseason better than anybody else. We have the Viking Update show with Chin Music with Roy Small and Lavelle Neal and the Twins. Recommend it all. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Right now, though, John, tell us more about Pizza Barn in Princeton. Yeah, Jim, there's always great, exciting things happening. Um, let's It's its winter, sort of. It's 50 degrees or whatever, but let's talk about those food trucks. Things are really ramping up for those food trucks. They're, they're going on a summer concert tour this year. And how about this? They're going to be at uh, Somerset Amphitheater in Somerset, Wisconsin, on September 5th for a Luke Bryan concert. You're going to be able to get uh, all that great pizza bar and pizza from one of the food trucks at a Luke Bryan concert in Somerset, September 5th. Let's hope Luke gets his hands on some of that pizza bar and pizza. Uh, it's fantastic. That's big news. You start getting involved in, in things like that. You're a big time food truck. So congrats to uh, the pizza barn for, for getting in, being involved in that. It's February. The new pizza of the month is the Slammin' Salmon. It's the first time the Pizza Barn's ever put smoked salmon on a pizza. Sounds really good. Starts with a lemon dill sauce, then smoked salmon, freshly grated mozzarella. They bake it. They top it with fresh cheese crumbles, a little dry dill. I like pizza, and I like salmon, so there's no downside to this one. They've got a new appetizer of the month. It's waffle fries, and you can select either their house-made seasoned sour cream or tater topper. 
Like everything on the menu, these items are available for dine-in, carry-out, delivery, vacator. Uh, this this is breaking news. They've got another new menu item, Lisa's Epic Brownies, which are made in-house, melted chocolate chips, all the butter, all the sugar, all the vanilla, the good stuff. Uh, so way to go, uh, Jody Stay, our, our great friend at the Pizza Barn and her crew there. They're doing amazing things. We're thrilled they're part of our podcast. Yes, thanks so much, Jody. Uh, love the food truck, love the the on-site location, love what she does in that community. And now let's get on to Jackson County Central. Another story uh, up on John's Journal, Jim, is about a young man from Jackson County Central, Roman Voss. He's a sophomore. Anybody who watched the state football semifinals last fall at U.S. Bank Stadium, you remember when Roman Voss got hurt. He's the quarterback. He's about 6'3", big, strong young man. He was uh, rolling out, ran the ball, got tackled, you know, two or three tacklers, clean play. His head slammed off the turf. And it, it looked extremely serious. It turned out it probably wasn't as bad as it looked, but the game was delayed for, I think it was 20 or 30 minutes, you know, as the medical professionals tended to Roman. Uh, he, they took him off the field on a stretcher. He was uh, driven by ambulance to Hennepin County Medical Center. He went home later that day, but he had a concussion and a shoulder injury. I caught up with him at a basketball game in Waseca last week. He's doing fine. He missed several of the early basketball games just while he was getting back into, into shape from the concussion. The shoulder injury is still giving him, giving him trouble as far as football goes. It's his, it's his passing arm. He said it doesn't bother him in basketball. But he's feeling pretty good. Really a talented athlete from a, from a talented family in Jackson. A super nice young man. I enjoyed chatting with him. And his basketball coach down there in Jackson, Alex Hine, told me he thinks by the time Roman is a senior in two years, he's, he's enough of an athlete, uh, Alex, that he could envision Roman being a finalist, not only for Mr. Football, but Mr. Basketball, too. He's uh, quite a good athlete, really nice kid. So if you go to John's Journal, you can read about uh, Roman Voss from Jackson County Central. Excellent stuff. All right, let's uh, move on to Heart of the Arts. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is, uh, this is one of the things I really enjoy in my job is celebrating high school kids who go above and beyond. And one of the awards that recognizes these kid, kids is the Heart of the Arts Award. This year's winner of the Minnesota Award is Duluth East Senior Juniper Kelly Swing. She participates in debate and does so much more on behalf of the school and the community. You can, again, go to John's Journal at NS, mshsl.org and read about Juniper. Speaking of the arts, uh, the state one-act play festival is being held this week, Thursday and Friday at the College of St. Catherine and St. Paul. I'll be over there for that. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a pretty cool story about some of these kids and how busy they are, and we'll talk more about that later. Next week, a couple of state tournaments. Uh, up north, it'll be the state alpine and Nordic ski competition at Giants Ridge and Wabic. And then also next week, uh, the state dance tournament at Target Center. Speaking of dance, there's a little bit of a, uh, I'm not going to say controversy because it shouldn't be a controversy, but some dance people are not happy with the high school league. Uh, it, it has to do with who is allowed, who is credentialed to shoot photos on the floor at Target Center as well as on the floor at section dance tournaments. I don't know why this became such a big thing this year. This rule is not new. 
During the regular season, the high school league is not involved in things like that. Each school can say to a dad or a, or a photographer or a mom, yeah, you, you can sit on the floor and take pictures, take video. That's fine. Those things are up to the schools during the regular season. When you get to section tournaments and state tournaments, now the high school league is in charge. And nobody wants 85 people with cameras sitting you know, on the floor during any competition, whether it's dance or basketball or wrestling. So the policy is that when it comes to section and state tournaments, each school, there's a lot of forms they fill out if they have teams qualify. Each school can designate one person. This is our official photographer. And they are allowed down on the floor while their school is is performing. And none of this is new. Um, it's, I, 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 there's just, I don't know. I've been talking to people in the media who hear them from parents. And I'm, I'm telling them this is the same rule for every sport we do. You know, you just can't have unlimited numbers of people with cameras right down on the floor or on the, you know, on the side of the basketball court or the volleyball court. When I'm at state dance, I take my regulation camera. I shoot a lot of pictures most years and I sit in the stands and anybody can do that. You know, you're not allowed to shoot video because the event is live streamed by the official partner of the high school league, NSPN, and videos of the, of the, of the competition are available for purchase afterwards. But anybody, any photographer can sit in the stands, shoot pictures. You can't use a tripod. You got to hold the camera, you know, and uh, that's what I do. And I, I, I love doing that. I don't want to sit on the floor and do that. But so it's a big misunderstanding. People think something has changed. It hasn't. Uh, people just get agitated. And I'll tell you what, I love the dance tournament, Jim. I've been to section dance tournaments. I go to state every year. It's unbelievably athletic event. The, the, those kids, girls and boys, boys can be on dance teams. They, they give it everything they have. They're athletes. And it's too bad that this thing, this misunderstanding, it's just, it's, it's too bad. Uh, maybe the high school league, maybe we need to do a better job of letting people know. But again, this isn't new. There's really nothing to inform people about. This is the way it is. This is the way it's been for a long time for every sport. So somebody somebody got somebody worked up here and uh, it will all be fine. It'll be great. But uh, just kind of a just kind of a misunderstanding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he said enough on that one. All right. Let's move on. To, <laughs> we, we could talk yeah. about it for an hour, but we won't get yeah, anywhere. We so we'll, we'll move yeah. on to budget cuts. Yeah. This is, this is interesting. We don't see this much. It used to be more of a problem. Hopefully it's not a growing thing. Um, our friend, Mike McFeely from the Fargo forum, he wrote about what's happening at Thief River Falls high school. Voters have rejected operating referendums a couple times in recent years. So when school, schools don't have the funding, that usually means there's going to be budget cuts. That's the deal up at Thief River. They're eliminating jobs, which is a terrible thing. But in order to save money on athletics and activities, they're basically going to reduce the number of games they play by 20%. You know, every sport has a maximum number of regular season games. Well, Thief River is going to voluntarily play fewer games and, uh, you know, you're going to save on transportation. You're going to save a lot of, a lot of money there. Uh, they're going to raise the participation fees for activities, which is too bad. I hate to see that. But, and it, and it's clearly troubling. But if there's any good news here, it's that these things really are rare in Minnesota. So let's hope they, they can get through this and, uh, 
get to a place where they can reinstate, especially jobs, and and get their activity programs uh, back up to full speed here before too much longer. And I'm glad you mentioned Mike McFeely. He is fantastic. He is. He is. Let's wrap up this show. Good show. Great deep show. I appreciate it, John. Let's wrap up this show with your most valuable teammate. Yeah, this one is, is pretty cool. Noah Schakowsky is a senior at International Falls. He's a busy kid, football, hockey, baseball. He's overcome many injuries to continue playing the sports he loves. And as Noah has dealt with injuries, he, he always attended practice, even when he couldn't take part. He's a captain of the football team and the hockey team. He's soft-spoken. Noah leads by example. No one ever speaks poorly of Noah. He, he, and here's a little side note. Noah is the great-grandson of Bronco Nagurski, the International Falls native, NFL Hall of Famer, maybe the best athlete to ever come out of Minnesota. This is his great-grandson. So congrats to Noah Schakowsky of International Falls on being a most valuable teammate. That's that's awesome. I want to mention one more one more item here, Jeff. Yeah. Throw this at you. Our friend Rachel Blount, yes. longtime reporter, sports writer at the Star Tribune, uh, this just came in today. She's She has been honored by the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference with the Mike Augustine Award for Outstanding Media Contributions. Augie was a longtime reporter at the Pioneer Press. I knew Augie well. He died uh, years ago, and the MIAC immediately named this award in his honor. He was a huge MIAC uh, contributor and, and wrote about it. And Rachel has done so much. You name an area of sports, and Rachel has done it. And this is a well-deserved award. Uh, she's as good as they come. You and I know her well. She has overcome a lot. Like me, Rachel is from Iowa. So to see somebody <laughs> succeed with that kind of a background is pretty good. <laughs> no, that's a joke. She's, we're proud to be Iowans, and I'm proud to be to call Rachel Blount a good friend. Yep, Rachel recently uh, got through uh, cancer treatments. She's doing yes. well. Uh, I've always worked, you know, we've always worked in the same realm, but where we yeah. really work closely together is covering Olympics. We've covered a bunch of Olympics together. That's right. And as you, you know, the covering Olympics is different than everything else. You just yeah. put your life on hold. You work 16-hour days. You're on buses yeah. all day. You're riding at weird hours and weird places. <laughs> um, Rachel is the best. Uh, she's yeah. fantastic. Um, and I'm glad she's healthy, and she absolutely yeah. deserves this award. And Augie was a, a, a wonderful guy, and it's it's a great award. It's named yeah. for the right person, and it is going to the right person. You couldn't have summed it any better. I, I just I, I know so many people in the MIAC from my time covering those schools way back when at the Star Tribune. And yeah, Augie was fantastic. Rachel's the best. And I'm, I'm just thrilled for her. Fantastic. And thank you for bringing that up. I'm glad that's a great way to end the show. It's uh, it's, it's heartwarming to hear. So thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who listens to talknorth.com and, and preps today with John Malay. We really do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon.